Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Each month, over 80,000 people download podcasts produced from the fevered mind of Royfield Brown. They cover a gamut of topics like maps, politics, American presidents, history, the archers, Formula One, Jamaican culture, and Englishness. Go to wherever you get your podcast and type in Royfield Brown to discover a new favorite podcast today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Standing there, right where you are, Mum, when he told me about Siobhan. Oh, Jennifer. And I didn't want to know. It, it had obviously ended, or he wouldn't have told me. And I, I thought, I'll do what I always do. I'll hide the hurt and I'll, I'll move on. But this time it was different. Because of Rory? Mm-hmm. It nearly killed me. But I know this seems strange, but if I could go back, I... I wouldn't alter anything. Really? No. I think it genuinely changed Brian that way at least. And I should hope so. Not just that. It brought Rory into my life too. And oh, it's been such a blessing. I'd never be without him. You are a remarkable woman. Dumpty Dum, a very emotional one, is from Stephen Bowden, and the podcast is sponsored by Penny Fletcher. This is Dumpty Dum, 
the show about the reality docudrama that is centered on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the supportive friend who is Royfield Brown, and I am here today with a tearful, gibbering wreck who is Jacqueline Berthaud in Sanguin in Brittany, France. Now, on this rather emotional episode, we have a profusion of caller in us. We hear from Jonah Manjaz, who believes we have just lived a communal event. Rene, a first-time colorinera who found it hard to say goodbye. Boogie Squires, who has many thanks and sends best wishes to Angela Piper. Felix, another first-time colorinera. Formerly cycling Christine, who found this week absolutely fabulous. Glyn, who thanks Angela Piper and encourages us to remember Jenny's best bits. Our lovely Witherspoon, who's enjoyed the family drama. Bernadette, who is familiar with family infighting. Emily and Charlotte from Abu Dhabi, who is sad. Pauline Olney, who is looking at this from a uni administration point of view. Shifty Davy from Five, who is thinking of Thomas Hardy. And finally, Natalie from Torquay, who shares with us because she has no one else. Plus, folks, are we going to have tweets of the week from our purple pumpkin, Theo? And we have the social media roundup from Witherspoon this week. Don't forget, you can find lots of Dumpty Dum actually on YouTube. So if you like a bit of YouTube, go watch some Dumpty Dum there, where I interview the actors with a motley collection of Dumpty Dummers. And, of course, we shall be wishing a very warm welcome to the... Listen to this, Royf. 17 new members to our Facebook group. Crumbs. Do you reckon something might have happened in the Archers this week? It's the reason why people were flooding in. Yes, and I'm really sorry. I don't really want to talk about it. The show isn't going to be very long. But actually, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true, because we have that's so many true. calls. We have so many calls that we actually don't need any blather from no, either of us at all, actually. Now, you dumby dummers, I tell you what, if you're given a kick up the bum, Generally, you do respond, and you've responded really quite well. So we've been asking for more dum-de-dums, so we got them in our vault. And by Jove, have you been rallying to the cause? So thank you to everybody who's been sending in dum-de-dums. Basically, what we ask you to do is send us in you humming, singing, playing an instrument to Barwick Green. The theme tune to the Archers. Do it via SpeakPipe or via WhatsApp voice note, and then we can play it out on the show. We've had quite a few now, but still, keep them coming. Now, before we start all of this, let's have a look at the week in Ambridge from our suey queen or tart. Hello, lovely people. It's suey queen or tart on the Twitters here with another week in Ambridge. What a week we've had. On Sunday, Adam was in full 1950s housewife mode in his penny cooking Sunday dinner whilst Brian and Justin had a good chinwag over their missing beloveds. Jakob has bought Kate a ticket to South Africa, wouldn't you if you'd just had a fortnight elsewhere and couldn't bring yourself to listen to her any further? Then the call came, summoning them to the hospital, as Jenny Darling had been taken away from her spa hotel in an ambulance, as I think many of us have been expecting, especially after all the references to her in the last couple of weeks. Jenny Darling did not survive, even though the hospital did everything they could. The Aldridge-Macy-Carter family then behaved exactly as we would have expected. Brian stayed in his bedroom, feeling justifiably sorry for himself, while Jenny's children fought with each other and tried to outdo themselves in attributing blame to one of the others. 
By the way, did anyone else notice Alice sounding a bit chipmunkish, talking twice as fast as everyone else? Rory is not ringing her back, even though she's left him lots of messages. Why didn't one of the others just ring him, since they aren't talking to each other, after that spat last year when she called him a cuckoo? Chris came to the rescue and drove her to London, after they found the address in Jenny Darling's papers. We picked up things in the middle of the night, with Chris coming over all butch and manly about his ex-wife, when Rory was foul to his sister. In their high-rise apartment, Julianne told Rory she'd find somewhere else to take her to the Barbican. I did enjoy the speculation about her nightwear during the week. It would be lovely to think of her in a Primark PJ set, but I think it's more likely she'd have been like the other late great this week, the sultry Sylvia Sims in a negligee and marabou slippers. Back in Ambridge, Jacob admitted his cottage was cleaned up well despite the missing wine, so Justin's cleaning tips clearly worked out. Who would have thought it? There was a photo of Kate in her rebellious phase. Let's be clear, she's never really left that phase. Kate wished that Jenny had more opportunities and that she'd thanked her mum. Then we found out that Jenny had shared with Tony that she was ill, who had then told Pat, who sounded disturbingly smug when breaking the news to Lillian. The siblings all had a really good scrap with a lot of sighing and gnashing of teeth from Adam and a surprising lack of self-entitled whining from Kate. Rory clearly blames everyone else for everything and is back to being the stroppy teenager I remember. Later in the week, he talked to Ruth about Jenny wishing he'd never been born and she made soothing noises completely ineffectually. Ruth, however, seems to have facilitated Kate in purchasing the drill. I'm sure it'll all be fine. Brian is behaving completely rationally for a bereaved husband while his children rip each other apart further. Adam's finely honed control has gone out of the window while he shouts at Kate, who seems to have had a personality transplant that is being competent. They read out some of Jennifer's journals, which got me right in the fields, even the bits read by Adam. Brian got dragged to the pub and had a totes hug with Neil, while Jolene gave some heartfelt words to David about her experience of losing Sid. Finally, a glass was raised to Jennifer. Who is going to write it all up on the British website, I wonder? Thanks to Angela Piper for her sterling work over all these years. Till next week then, my lovelies. I hope it's a good one. Yeah, I didn't even think of the village website. Who is going to do that now? All those things that Jenny did. Can I just say, I think we ought to start with an homage to Angela Piper. What a fantastic actress. She's been Jenny for goodness knows how many years. And I know she's retired through ill health, but fantastic. So sorry to see her go. Yes, and one of those actors who has utterly defined the role. It is interesting when you go back into the annals of the Archers to discover how many characters have actually been played by more than one actor, but not uh, when it comes to Jennifer. And she started relatively young. Goodness, she's had an amazing innings. And yes, it's sad that she's had to go out like this. But you know what? The writers have done her proud with this is in terms of a send-off, haven't they? They have. This whole week has been, for me, it's been an emotional roller coaster. It's just been from Sunday night through to Friday night. It was just one of those perfect Archer's Week for me. Emotion, siblings scrapping. This is what happens when people pass, especially suddenly. It's not that they're bad 
siblings, but they're all in shock and they're trying to make sense out of what's happened. And people say things without thinking and they try and pull on any strand which gives them some semblance of sense. Indeed, I think we saw that from both sides, from Jenny's children, but also from her siblings, the whole Tony, Lillian, Mm. from both sides. It affects everybody in so many ways. I know you've had a terrible time in your family, Royfield, and I certainly hope you've not been scrapping as much, but it was fairly realistic as far as I was concerned. It was incredibly realistic, and thank you for mentioning. Since... Boxing Day, I've had four family members pass. Yeah, and Friday I was at a funeral. I have one to go to in Los Angeles. I'm going to my uncle's memorial over there. Here's the thing. The funeral I was at on Friday, two cousins, both of them are telling me how they've fallen out with their sibling, basically because of the passing of their mothers. Such and such should have done more. They thought I, X, Y, Z... These things happen. So without wanting to make this about me and my family, it's just to say that what we've been served up, as you said, is an emotional roller coaster, but also true to life. Hello, Ambridge3962. Let's start with Natalie. Hi, Dumpty Dum, it's Natalie from Torquay. It's been a while, mainly because I just get on with the episodes and then by the time I'm on to the next one, I just forget to talk about my reactions. But I've literally just come back from work and I listened to yesterday's episode, which is Sunday, the terrible episode with Jenny Darling's passing. I hope I'm not spoiling. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A call. I immediately thought about how painful it would have been for Lillian 
to have been there at the end with her sister. I thought about Rory, team feelings there. I wonder what that's going to lead to. Obviously, the implications for Alice need I say further regarding emotional turmoil and temptation. And for Adam, it's incredibly sad. Everybody. And I also wonder whether that means that it will be a way to phase Brian out, perhaps, because I think the act very emotional time. I basically have nobody else in my life who I could call and have this emotional conversation with. So here we are. Lots of love. Thanks. Bye-bye. Oh, Natalie, you with us? You with friends? Thank you for sharing with us, Natalie. I think so many of us that uh, became friends of and followers of Dum Dee Dum started exactly like that. No one in your life to share it with. So join a group of random folks. Very true. And I know this is going to be a theme, but the writing has been superb this week. The acting has been exemplary. And because of those two elements, and because also we've built up this wellspring of understanding Jennifer, that we all took it so personally. So it's only then right and proper that then you want to share your grief with others. And it isn't just an abstract character grief because we actually know the actor's gravely ill. She's very ill. Though we've connected through this drama, there is actually a human drama as well that she's had to withdraw from the show. But but Nat- Natalie, thank you for your call over there in Torquay. It's the place where I wet the bed in 1978 and my mum and dad had to spend, was it, £15 on a new mattress, which is a horrendous amount of money back then. Many pleasant memories, but also a lot of shame associated <laughs> for me with Torquay. With Torquay. Oh, Royfield, I think you're oversharing. You're telling it to me oh, now. You know what? It never leaves me. Never hear Torquay. I think, oh, I wet the bed. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Uh, let's have a bit of Shifty Davy. Hello, Royfield. Hello, Jacqueline. Hello, Dumpty Dummers. Shifty Davy here from Fife and other places. Recording on a Monday, unusual for me because the stories of the week have yet to unfold. But in a sense, the biggest story has hit, has it not, on Sunday night with the loss of Jenny Darling, the mighty matriarch, the extraordinary hostess, the woman of incredible patience, lover, mother, and chef. I think it will be a loss to all of us fans of the Archers normally, but I also thought of Brian, and it reminded me of Thomas Hardy, who when his wife died, a wife to whom he had been unfaithful and badly behaved in many ways, Hardy found himself in grief for her and had an extraordinary late poetic flourish as he expressed his regret and love for the woman he could no longer be with. And so with that in mind, I imagine Brian on top of Lakey Hill, in the mist, on his own. And this is the poem that comes to mind, The Going, by Thomas Hardy. Why did you give no hint that night, that quickly after the morrow's dawn, calmly as if indifferent quite, you would close up your term here and be gone? where I could not follow with wing of swallow, to gain one glimpse of you ever anon, never to bid goodbye or lip me the softest call or utter a wish for a word while I see morning harden upon the wall, unmoved, unknowing, that your great going 
had placed that moment and altered all. Wasn't that lovely? Powerful stuff. Even down to the image, he said, of Brian being up on Lakey Hill. And so he should be. He's caused so much pain to Jenny over the years. That is true. That is true. But also more joy than pain. And I think, again, I'm going to commend not just these writers, but the whole narrative of Brian and Jenny. And this slight little thing for me, I understand the reason why they did it, but the reading out of the journal. Now, if Jenny's got a journal, there's going to be a lot of pages in that thing, but I happen to go and find the most poignant bit, you know, straight away. But okay, it's a drama. And she talked about what Brian took on. This single mother with two kids by two different fathers. Now, that would be incredibly unremarkable in 2023, but in rural England in the early to mid-70s, so for all of Brian's philandering, not only did she forgive him, whatever he did, he loved her and he displayed his love for her. And because of that, that they had this non-traditional relationship i say well done to all the people that have been part of plotting their relationship because this man's in bits it wasn't as if he's just gone oh jenny's gone i'm gonna move on he can't function he's lost his partner in life and and one of the things which he's so regretful about is the way he's treated her in the past and i agree with that and um, I do believe, you know, they stayed together for a very long time. Jenny and Brian worked as a couple, despite the problems between them. But I can, I've never been a Brian fan because of his infidelities. It's human. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we should have partners and then cheat on them. But also, we are reminded that she did also have her little time as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, she had an affair with her ex-husband, didn't mm-hmm. she? And yeah. There was always that thing about John Tregoran when she did the book and re- historic research. Yeah, I agree with all that. But, you know, Brian, due to Brian's actions and his love of Siobhan, she ended up with a child. Uh, listen, there is no two ways about it. Her capacity for forgiveness is immense. And most people couldn't have done what she did. Back in the 1950s or the 1850s, that was incredibly unremarkable. Women routinely brought up the child of their partner's lover and or passed it off to their mother or an aunt. Yeah, because there are at least four families in my village where there are children that are brought up by their grandparents. And she not only did that in the full glare of actually what the truth was, face down the the village's comments. What a woman. All right, uh, Shifty Davey, uh, lovely to to hear you back on the podcast. Uh, And now let's have a a little bit, oh, it's first time caller in her. It's Paul Norris. Hello. Royfield, Jacqueline and all the Gummers. This is Paul in Olney. It's Tuesday morning and I've just got around to listening to the Monday night episode where reactions to Jenny's death 
are starting to spread amongst the family and perhaps beyond. I'd like to pick up on two things this episode. Firstly, Tony's very quiet reaction to Lillian's mention relating to Peggy that there being a child is the worst thing for a parent to have to deal with. And that's clear remembrance of John for him there. Wasn't mentioned, but came across very much to me. The second thing is around Rory. And we've got Chris and Alice dashing off down to London to find him because they don't know his uni friends. They don't know where he's living. Of course, nobody knows about his relationship, possibly Ben. Why haven't they thought to contact the university he's at and ask them to relay a message? It just needs to be a, there's some news you need to know about from home, please call. I'm in the university admin side for work, and I, I have taken those calls in the past. At one point, I had to vacate my office and go and make a cup of tea for a very distraught student. This, this was many years ago, who'd um, had to call, I had to give my message to call to receive news of uh, a family bereavement. So just odd that that's not been thought of. This in itself could have then triggered a, he's not with us anymore, and the dash down to London anyway. Thanks very much. I'm sure there's more to come this week. First time caller, welcome. No, he's not a first time caller, Nora. Is he not? No, we've had Paul from Olney several times. All right, I didn't say that then. No, cross well, that out. Welcome back, mate. <clears throat> Welcome back, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) And I agree with Paul about the Rory-Alice thing. Alice and Rory have history. Would he have answered his phone to anybody else other than Alice? It's all all a bit peculiar. Now, obviously, we've seen a somewhat, a real visceral reaction from Rory, which isn't just Mm. grief, but actually anger at yet another one of his mother's passing he's angry he is angry but what i can't quite understand because rory's not a bad person he's going through a whole lot at the moment he had a mum replace jenny but he also replaced a mum with julianne and he's got mummy issues that 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 is most obviously the case but if you are called repeatedly on your phone don't we all know that something's up like something dreadful is up yes i'm like you would pick up phone, but as a plot device, they needed to go to London to discover he and his paramour. So as a yeah. plot device, it needed that. But like, we all know if you are called repeatedly, something it's bad news. Yeah. That isn't, oh, you called me 15 times. I just, I was waiting for the 16th call. But anyway, <laughs> we know the reason why they needed to do that. Paul, old friend of the podcast. Welcome back, sir. And uh, I don't know, don't know why, Jacqueline, you thought he was a new caller in or a first time caller oh, in or a... Such a rat. <laughs> the, only other, the other thing that Paul said that touched me enormously for obvious reasons is that, yes, Tony was very quiet. His response was normal, calm. When Lillian says, you know, about, talked about Peggy, no parent should lose a child. Of course, He's lost, he lost John. He was very quiet and it was very touching. It was. 
Tony had this stillness around him, which I thought was wonderful, which is just wonderful yeah. timing, wonderful writing, just the poise of the actor whilst delivering their lines. And also you had a real sense of that kind of like sacred trust that yeah. he and Brian knew. And she said, don't say anything. Yeah. I think Pat might have messed it up a bit by admitting to Lillian that she knew as well. But in the real world, it's quite normal that a husband should share a secret with his wife. But all the whole idea that Jenny had shared with Brian and with Tony, the fact that she had this health problem that was potentially fatal, was very touching, very moving. But if you're Lillian, then how do you feel? Yeah, very left out. And mm. I understand Lillian's anger. I yeah, understand. Yeah. yeah. My brother and my sister and I, we're two sisters and a brother. And if I shared something with my brother, my sister would be after me like a shot because I should be sharing with her. Yeah, no, I felt for Lillian enormously. I felt her anger. I felt her hurt, her panic. She was there. Absolutely. She legitimately could say you you didn't warn me that this could be even be a, an outcome a possibility but again just well done all absolutely uh, so paul now you've done your first ever call into dum dum call back oh. again paul <laughs> <laughs> oh, i'm sorry he's been a twat <laughs> we've got a light in the mood somehow <laughs> now we're going on to emily Hi, Dumpsterdum. This is Emily phoning from Abu Dhabi. It's been a long time since I've called in because I'm back in full-time work, so basically have no time. But I had to phone because I'm so sad that Jennifer's done. I'm sure that lots of people will be phoning and talking about the impact this will have on plot lines, family relations, etc. But for me... I just feel so sad that she has gone. I think she's such an integral part of that family, which is disjointed, and she's the glue. And it's just sad when people die, and it really hit me. So I feel like I need to talk to someone, and we're four hours ahead here, so I'm like, oh, who am I going to speak to? I'll phone Dumpty Dum. So that was the first thing. To a side note, I was really disappointed that the job at the village shop went to Justin because I think the role of a village shop in a community can also be to help with loneliness and people go in and they, okay, they just get their paper, but actually they spend 15, 20 minutes chatting to people and it combats loneliness. And I think that Joy probably needs that and they that would have been a lovely thing to do, but Justin doesn't need it. And yes, I was sad for Joy that they didn't see the bigger picture there. Susan didn't. Anyway, that's it from me. Thank you, everybody, and I hope everyone is well. Absolutely. I agree with the Joy thing. I think she's, she, was, she missed out there, but as we said last week, who knows what Justin's up to. But another caller in a row who says they needed to talk to someone, so they called us. Isn't that lovely? I'm glad people can. Absolutely. It was Angela Barnes that basically once said, a comedian Angela Barnes that once said that Dum De Dum is therapy masking as a podcast. Yeah. Or words to that effect. And never a truer word was spoken. This podcast has helped me get through some of life's stickier moments. And yes, and uh, it's a key, and it's a key reason why this community works. But 
Emily, thank you for getting back in in contact. Yes, and Charlotte in the background. Absolutely. A very young dum-de-dummer. Very, a dum-de-diddly-dumler. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now we go from Charlotte, who's a relatively new dum-de-dumber, to Bernadette Hawkes, who's one of a certain vintage, shall we say. Well, it's all kicking off, isn't it? Bernadette Hawkes here, Archer's fan, 2015. The demise of Jenny Darling was a shock, although many of us Twitter lungs were expecting something. The auditories are already fighting. I can hear my dear departed mum's voice saying, the guy needs that to Poor Jenny, you're not even cold yet. To be honest, I thought the familiar infight would begin during and after the funeral, not before it. I quite like that the SWs did it so soon. A brave move. Some tweet-alongers seemed quite shocked by the blame best that ensued within the Aldridge clan when they gathered at the cottage. It seemed perfectly normal to me. Perhaps my previous jobs and certain life experiences have prepared me for the worst of human behaviour. I wonder if some listeners find it hard to imagine that the nice middle-class family would behave in such a way. Mind you, grief can cause people to behave extremely badly. Old grievances and grudges can rise to the surface in an extremely explosive way. I am sad that Jenny Darling has gone, even though her snobbery sometimes got to me. She was a good stepmother to Rory. It's a pity she had to lose the album, and I think that hurt her more than the affairs. Anyway, that's me. Short to the point. More attributes to the character of Jenny. What else she say? Fighting, the infighting, this, the sibling scrapping, as we called it earlier. Yeah, she thinks it thought it was a fairly normal in the circumstances. I beg to differ slightly because I think it was a bit of an exaggerated version of what would happen in normal circumstances. But emotions are running high. Everybody's in shock. It's a sudden death. Jenny was just dragged away from them, wasn't she? Yeah, and nobody seemed to be taking charge. So Adam tried, Kate tried, Alice tried with the Rory side of it. So I think it was quite normal that there'd be scrapping in the Aldridge household. Two things. Number one, if you think people are scrapping now, you wait till a will is read. Then people get upset. Does that happen? I don't know. I don't know how it works. I've never understood that. That's an American film thing, isn't it? It doesn't really happen. Well, when I say read, what I don't mean is that kind of dramatic scene where the the lawyer says, and you, Kate, get her jewellery. Now it says, I wanted the jewellery type of thing. But believe you me, the biggest bust up between siblings is finding out what they've got or not got. So if they've fallen out now, wait, potentially, right? If the writers really want to store up some sibling, what did you call it? Scrapping. Sibling (laughs) scrapping. There's another opportunity. And then the other thing to say is, hasn't Kate been lovely? Oh gosh, Kate, she became my favourite character this week. I've always quite liked her anyway, because I like that rebel side of her. I like the fact. I wonder why. Oh, yeah. Ha, ha. Uh, hey-ho, it's one of those things. But <laughs> Yourself in Kate. Yeah, probably. I admit it. I haven't followed a straight line through my life, but I've enjoyed it, Royfield. But she's just been so mature. She's been so calming. Even when she made the mistake of saying something like, so I can't remember what she, the words were, and Alice came back to her and said, oh, so it's all my fault. 
but she was actually not rubbing people up the wrong way. She wasn't being vicious. She was just being realistic. For me, Kate and Jacob was just so touching, right? Yeah. And Kate reflecting and how much her mother obviously loved her. I just yeah. thought. And also, wonderful. Jacob making the link between where Jenny came from, who she was, an unmarried mother of two, and then pointing out to Kate that she had this photograph of her as a rebel child with her mm. dreadlocks. I yeah. just thought it was wonderful. It was yeah. just so touching. And also the fact that Kate's voice changed this week. She talked with a normal, calm, lovely voice rather than that slightly strained voice that she talks with. Yeah, it was very good. Very well played. It was very good and very well played. Now, folks, you're probably wondering if you're a new listener to the podcast, and I'm guessing, Roberto, that we've had one or two new listeners yeah. to the podcast because of the dramatic goings on in Ambridge. I need to go, <coughs> the best and the easiest way to record a message or a plot prediction is to go to www.speakpipe.com forward slash dum-de-dum. Don't forget the T in the middle is rather important. You'll also find a link in the show notes. Or you can send us a voice note via WhatsApp on 0044-7957-167-696. But don't forget, if you're calling us, we need your calls in by 6pm on a Sunday UK time. And please keep your call to a maximum of two minutes. And bear in mind that you need to be at least 18 to take part. Now, this is the People's Podcast, as penned by our Stephen Bowden, who did that wonderful music at the start of the show. So if it's the People's Podcast, we need you, the people, to help us keep this show on the road. So there's a few things you can do. First off, if you haven't done so already, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast, ideally on Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts or on whatever podcast streamer that you use. Now, secondly, please, for the love of all things holy, could you give us a review? I don't know about you, Madame Berto, but I'll quite five-star reviews. That yeah, would be love them. hugely love them. appreciated. We're easy to please that, folks. Just flatter <laughs> us. However, be true to thine self. Now, if you could give us a review on Apple Podcasts, that'd be most awesome. Now, finally, the third thing is that you could consider to become a patron. Patron is a way of tipping creators like us who create dumbly dum and there are different levels of different rewards. So if you go to patreon.com, social dumbly dum, we'd be tickled pink, I tell you, tickled pink to have your support. Also, you can go to dumdum.com and hit the donate button, just like our Penny Fletcher did, and become a sponsor of the podcast. So, should we go back to the calls then, Rife? So now, we've had Bernadette, proper stature in the dumdum community is our Bernadette. Here we have somebody who's equally famous in these parts. It's our with a spoon from upper, lower, east, west side. <laughs> Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs Mercy 
Greetings, Roy Phil, Jacqueline, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. Perhaps the most affecting week in my years of listening to The Archers. The scriptwriters took the departure of Angela Piper and expectedly turned it into the death of Jennifer, but then unexpectedly morphed it into a riveting family drama, tying together many character arcs. When Alice was in the throes of her alcoholism and beating and berating Rory, you may or may not recall, I called the Aldridges the most dysfunctional family in Ambridge. Well, the chickens have really come home to roost. Jennifer was one of my favorite characters, and we mourn her passing, but this week also shined a light on her flaws. As was noted, she became reserved, judgmental, and even a bit cold later in life as she took on the role of wealthy farmer's wife in comparison to her more free-spirited youth. She loved her children very much, but didn't express it enough, perhaps on her way to becoming another Peggy. I accept that she chose not to have cardiac surgery, but I wonder why. I accept that she chose not to tell her children, but I disagree with that decision. Despite the concluding kumbaya moment between Adam, Kate, and Alice, I still think it was a bit selfish of her and hurtful, especially to Rory, damaged Rory, the lost boy. Did anyone pick up the parallel of Kate talking about her anger toward Jenny in her 20s, and at the same time we were hearing angry Rory? I have often wondered why, at some point, Jennifer didn't urge Rory to start calling her mum. And why did Brian and she decide to send him off to boarding school? It only served to separate Rory from the family and prevent a stronger bond between him and perhaps an unconsciously ambivalent Jennifer. We did have that lovely moment between the two last year. Lots more to say, but no time. Feel free to disagree with any or all of this. Talk to you soon. I've always wondered why Rory didn't call Jennifer mum, because he can't remember Siobhan, or at least he said he barely remembers. He was that young when he came. It would have been very natural for him after, I don't know, 18 months or so, just to start calling him mum, very natural. And I do have a little bit of a parallel with this. So Maisha was six when I came into her life. And and she was about eight. I remember one day she started calling me dad. And I must admit, it took me a good nine months to get used to it. But she didn't know a biological father. So Rory was even was younger than Maisha. And there would have been a time when he, he would have said to, to Jenny, you are my mum, can I call you mum? It's very natural in, in this situation. So I think it's a really excellent point that Witherspoon brings up, because as I said, I had actually thought this before. Yeah, I'm slightly surprised because when I met Loic, Emily was four and she called him Papa and she still calls him Papa. She calls him Papa Loic because she's got other Papa as well. She does, she changed, she's changed it herself without anybody prompting. Yeah, I've always found that strange about Rory that he didn't call Jenny mum. He did when they had the exchange, didn't they? When they, it was the, the disc that was left. I'm sure that he did at some point call her. Maybe I'm just putting something on that I've made up in my head. Who knows? We'll just ignore that. <laughs> in case somebody tells me I've made it up. But I felt that she did at one point call her mum in an emotional moment. But hey-ho. Yeah. With but do you think Jenny's selfish? I think selfish is a little bit harsh. Also, and I'm not one to generally disagree with Mr. Spoon, I think that Jenny's actually showed quite a lot of heart 
really. You know. Heart and fortitude. What a word, fortitude. Thank you. Thank you. A word which is kind of out of fashion, fortitude. Just, I'm just an old-fashioned girl, me. <laughs> <laughs> Wriggling my eyebrows. <laughs> but this is, again, one of the delicious things about this whole docudrama is that you can paint your own pictures of what the characters look like but then also you can paint your own motivations and character as to what people are actually displaying because there is no there is no wrong here no No, there isn't yeah completely and in fact that is really what is one of the pure joys of being an archers fan because we all take away what we want to take away it's only in recent years since the likes of dum-de-dum and twitter where we could discuss with other people. So many people are alone in their listening. It's years since I managed to talk to someone face-to-face about my love of the archers and the storylines. Yes, you know what? Absolutely. And I have been ridiculed. So when I was, I first started listening when I was, would have been in, I don't know, fifth year senior school. I wasn't telling anyone I was listening. No, you wouldn't be. You're You're really out of the norm, aren't you? If you're cool and hip back then, you're watching Brookside. If you're watching a soap at all, Brookside, maybe EastEnders. Went off to university, couldn't tell anybody I was listening to The Archers. Had numerous girlfriends and all of them just burst out laughing. You're listening to what? part of the reason why I set up this podcast because he saw everybody to your point on Twitter and you're like oh my gosh it's my people it's my tribe and then you want that conversation to continue but yes we've all been unless you had the luxury of growing up in into an archer's family solitary listening for all of us yeah absolutely I think we are agreeing to disagree with a spoon this week which is very rare but maybe he's got more insights than us but we've got our own opinions as well exactly exactly but because you put your head above the parapet and says oh I don't know I'm right behind you Madame Berto (laughs) right behind you (laughs) oh my goodness me shouldn't do that (laughs) right now it's time for Mr Full of Love it's Glyn hello Dumpty Dum it's Glyn here there's only really one thing to do this week, and that is to say thank you to Angela Piper for giving us Jennifer and to remember Jennifer's best bits. I think one scene that always will stand out for me is when, about must be 30 years ago, we heard her in a post-coital state with Roger Macy Travers. Yes, she was having an affair with her ex and Roger asked her if she felt guilty and she answered no Brian's had lots of affairs and I've got all the fur coats and if you could ever tell an actor was enjoying a scene you could tell that Angela Piper was enjoying that uh, that scene then of course there were the scenes post the Siobhan affair I think actually the ones that I remember more were when Rory was brought back to a home farm to live with the Aldridges. And I think that was, again, some great scenes for Jenny and really well done by Angela Piper. So in, in recent years, there's been one, of, I think there was a slightly less glorious moment when there was some weirdness around John Tregoran and whether Carol Tregoran had poisoned him or something. But an amazing life for Jennifer and an amazing performance for Angela Piper. We will miss them 
we will miss them both. And let us just hope it doesn't lead to the fall of the House of Aldridge. But I think by Friday, we were beginning to see the family pull together. Thanks for the podcast. Stay safe, everybody, and speak again soon. Thank you, Mr. Fuller Love. Thoroughly decent, lovely chap he is. Love me some Glenn. Yeah. Love me some Glenn. Very nice. But also, what a lovely thing that you could remember mm-hmm. to Roger Travers Macy story with Jenny. Another side of Jenny. I think that happened when I was in one of my brief off periods because me, I love a bedroom scene. You know, when there's a little bit of passion in the older archers, Jolene and Sid in the shower. I'm all oh, over don't stuff. Don't talk like, about that. I'm all over. <laughs> But I don't but I don't remember the scene. Like I know that she had an affair, but I do not remember that. So it must have been one of the times when I actually didn't listen. But w- what a lovely tribute from Margaret. Yeah. He's good he's good at stuff like that, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Very good. And also good tribute overall to Angela Piper. I can't reiterate that enough. We are absolutely thrilled with the many years of joy that we've had with her as the actor of Jenny. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, from Glynn, we go to formerly cycling Christine. Hello, Royfield, Jacqueline and all fellow dum to dummers This is formerly cycling Christine here. I just wanted to phone and say what a fabulous week I thought this week was. I thought all the episodes were really good and how brilliant it was that we had, after the death, which we had foreshadowed, We just saw the workings out, the initial workings out on the family and the ramifications it's going to cause. And for once, for me, nothing grated. It just seemed perfectly done. Thank you all. Bye. I couldn't agree more. It was all perfectly Absolutely. done. Absolutely. Ditto. It was perfectly done. I have to say, it's been a very emotional week. All the comings and goings, all the remembrances, the the nastiness as well. It's brought a tear to my eye every single day of this week. How about you, Roy? Were you touched by it all? Gosh, absolutely. As I said before, a bit of Kate and Jacob. Lillian's distress. Yeah. The stillness and the resignation around Tony. Brian, when the kids are squabbling, where's Brian? He was just out in the garden, just like staring yeah. blankly. Lost. There you go. And the toast in the pub with Jolene. <sighs> just And then the journal. I wasn't so sure about the journal bit because it was, the delivery was wrong because you wouldn't, it wasn't natural. But yeah, I understood the tone of it. That is the only bit. And we understood, and I said it before, but I understand the reasons why the script writers put that in as a way of just reminding some of the listeners that some of the other beats of Jennifer's life. But then also it does paint Brian in a slightly different picture. And when she said he was looking at me as I was walking around, we all remember that when we're with a new partner and we find them looking at us. That was some magic little moment. It is a bit of magic, yeah. Yeah. And to throw that in again just shows you how insightful the writers are, because it made us feel like we were at that little dinner party, that at that soiree, and to yeah. imagine the little bit of electricity between them. Yeah. But even that a quote from Glynn, where he said, oh, yes, where she says, oh, yes, he's had all the affairs, but I've got all the fur coats. It's Jenny's way of seeing what she got out of what really could have been a bit of a horrible situation. That is true. And also it's to remember... She's also matured 
and evolved yeah. since then. Yeah. That was said a few years ago. Oh, and a long time ago. Yeah. And while she might have seen their relationship as transactional then, yeah. might have, she most she definitely have didn't afterwards. No, completely agree with you. This isn't making for much of a good podcast because it keeps in uh, Roy Ford, I completely keep, we keep agree agreeing, with don't you. we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people want us Sorry. to bicker. <laughs> yeah, they do. Anyway. Can let's see what Felix, a first time caller in has to say. Are you sure he's a first time caller in Because you said I'm the sure same he's... thing about Paul Norris. I did not do that. I think you'll find <laughs> if we go back and listen to the tape, I'm that old that I'm going to call it tape. A you tape. said Paul Norris is a first time caller in I went to know. He's called in many times before. Anyway, Felix, now is your time. Hello, first time caller in long time listener. My name is Felix. I've seen multiple regenerations of us and love them all in different ways. I've wanted to call in for ages. There's multiple things that have really hit me in the last couple of six months that I feel akin to. Um, the Rory stuff and how Ruth and David Atzer was very, with Ben, was very emotional. But it's funny, I haven't been hit quite as hard as a character that I don't even really like, like Brian drives me mad. I want to scream at him so hard. But the scene where he broke down this week, I thought, well, I cried. It was the first time I've ever cried at the Archers. And it was an incredible scene. And I never thought Brian would do that. Congratulations. Thank you, Felix. Who did Felix say he didn't really like? Brian. Doesn't like Brian as a character, generally. And I don't think he probably appreciated Jenny for the how good she was either. But he was moved. He was moved. He brought a tear to his eye for the first time ever. And I think there will be a lot of people out there, hopefully listening to this, but who spent time in the last week listening to The Archers, who have cried, physically cried, with all the emotions that have been expressed, that have never thought that The Archers would reduce them to tears. You're not alone, Felix. How many times did you shed a little tear this week? If I said I cried at every episode, then it's six. But (laughs) (laughs) I probably cried at least twice in some episodes. I'll tell you what, I, I, you know, as you know, I walk very uh, early in the morning with my dogs and I usually catch up with the night before's archers listening, but we've had a very wet and windy week. <laughs> so people couldn't tell that I'd been crying. They just thought I would be windswept and rain swept. And I had to catch up and re-listen every time with my coffee when I came back in just to kind of calm down. And some, I listened to the omnibus today thinking third time round I wouldn't cry. Well, I was a wreck. So that's why in the script I wrote the I'm the gibbering wreck (laughs) because I really have been a gibbering wreck. But um, I've just found that the whole writing, the acting, just it's really touched me this week. Because it's been great. It's as simple as that. It has been great. It has. And there is something also about the communal experience. I remember John dying. Me too, yeah. But I had no one to share it with. But what I don't remember, I think Tony screamed. There was a Tony scream when he discovers John, which I believe is in the next episode. But I don't remember a week long, and very obviously it did happen, a week long roller coaster of emotion and with how it hit people. It obviously did happen. But yeah. the very fact that we're communally listening, yeah, we can say to Changed each other, everything. 
you, what about that bit? Oh, you, oh my gosh, what about this bit? So yeah. this will stay with us in a way that the death of John, and we're talking about, very obviously, if you're an older listener, you do remember that John Archer, let alone the death of John Archer, and that communal shared experience of going over it yeah. heightens it even more. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I Again, think, you yeah, agree. Um, Oh gosh, sorry. Well, no, I, oh, no, I can't do that, Royfield. I do agree with you. I think actually the fact that we can share, the fact that we have the internet, the fact that we have, we can re-listen. In the olden days, I'd have been stuck in my kitchen, wouldn't I, listening to the archers at seven o'clock at night. And if I missed it, I might be able to catch it in the afternoon the following day. But I wouldn't certainly wouldn't be able to be walking my dogs and meeting my neighbours, crying my eyes out, listening to it, and then coming home and then re-listening to the whole thing again with a nice pot of freshly brewed coffee. No way. And then tweeting about it. No way. We'd never have that in the past. Tweeting wasn't even invented back then, just saying. But I get your general point. No, as I'm saying, the tw- tweeting, the internet, the possibility to re-listen. You could have listened to this week, every episode, 16 times. <laughs> I think I'd have cried at every one. I don't know whether the next caller in a, has actually cried 16 times, but his name is Brian, a.k.a. Buggy Squires. Hello, it's Brian. I'm sure everyone is... We will say this, but I will as well, just to wish Angela Piper, the actor, all the best now that she's left the series. Must be a difficult time for the actors as well that she's left. They've handled the story this week really well, um, made it to an interest, a good storyline. The Aldridge is fighting each other now, without now Jenny's not there to hold them together. So we'll see how that pans out. I think they probably will come together, although I foresee that Brian, when he's back in charge, will wonder why he, who gave Stelly the say-so to buy the drill. But that's a that's one one thing that's going to ha- come out of it. And Rory, he's in a bad way. He's being horrible to everybody else, but then they've all been horrible to each other this week. But I think he knows that Julianne didn't like his family life intruding into her setup. So I suspect when he gets back to London... A lot's been changed and his car's been passed on to the newer model. Yeah, I've got definitely impression that Julianne you know, doesn't like anything like it. Is Rory to have any sort of life outside of her? But there we go. We shall see. I think I'll leave it there. I made a very good job of it this week, but there we go. Speak to you again. Nice to talk to you. Bye. Bye-bye, Brian. Madame Berto, I'm leaving you to dissect and to pontificate over Brian's oh dear, call. well I'll make it quick because we're now getting on to over the hour and a half a level you'll have to cut down. But I agree with Brian. This story must have affected the actors, the other actors who've been working. Think about Charles Collingwood who's played her online husband for 40 odd years on radio husband. He must have been profoundly affected by just the storyline of writing her out, let alone the yeah, the script. I found it fascinating listening to interviews with him and various other actors this week. I think they've been highly touched by it, and I think they've done a really good job. And then he talked about the various other people who'd been affected and what was going to happen with Rory. Wait and see. Just on the whole point of Charles Collingwood, who plays Brian. So his real-life wife, Judy Bennett, left <laughs> yeah. Shula 
and then his his stage wife, so to speak. Yeah, but did you hear that right, that interview that he did at the very end? It was really cross because they put squeezed it in and even um, or talked over the pips at the end of the Today program on Monday or Tuesday morning. It came in at two hours fifty six and a half minutes into the two hours three the three hour program. There was a quick interview with Charles Collingwood. And in fact, he said that he was interested to carry on playing Brian to see where the next years took him in his singled or his aloneness. So he doesn't sound like he's going to stop any day soon. I think we've got another first caller in there, first time caller in there, Rene. Ooh, here's Rene. Hello, Royfield and Jacqueline and all other Dumpty Dummers listening. My name's Renee, a first-time caller in over here. I'm from Kent and I've been listening to The Archers for about 20 years or so, since I was very little. I'd often listen with my parents and my sister at dinner time, and we still all listen to this day. My sister and I are especially really big fans of The Archers. And I absolutely love Dumpty Dum. So I just want to say, actually, thank you, Royfield and Jacqueline, for being such amazing hosts on the podcast. I really enjoy listening to it on my drives to work in the morning. It's like having two friends in the car with me. I'm always chuckling away at the at your interactions with one another. You both are really amazing. So about the Archers, this week has been very hard to listen to, I'm sure for, majority, for the majority of us. It's been really sad saying goodbye to Jenny Darling, one of the long-standing members of the one of the long-standing characters, sorry, of the Archers. So yeah, I don't think I've actually gotten through any episode without crying my eyes out. One person that's really interested me this week is Rory. Wasn't happy with his response when Alice and Chris drove all that way to break the news to him. Naturally, it was going to be hard for him to take it in because of the shock, but that doesn't give him the right to speak to them, treat them the way that he did, and also push Alice. That was really uncalled for. And I really do hope that at some point he can forgive Alice for all that's happened. I know some people might not agree with that, but I just really do think it would be good for him to make peace with her. But on the other hand, it's been really sad to hear that he feels a bit lost in everything. I think he feels guilty because he's already lost his biological mother. And I think he feels guilty that he's wants to grieve for Jennifer's death. But because it's his stepmother, I think he feels that he can't in the same way that all his siblings are doing so. But I do hope that he's not lost in everything. I hope that he can find peace at some point and that he isn't forgotten. Yeah, that's that's all for me, really. Thank you. Goodbye. Oh, what a lovely call. You're only saying that because she said she liked us. I know, but I'm glad. Some weeks, I know we touch a lot of people, but not always in a good way. <laughs> no, and so, what what was really lovely, she says when she's in her car, it's like she's listening to two friends. But I also agree with Rene on the how hard it's been to say <laughs> goodbye to Jenny, darling. She sounds like she's as wrinkled and red-eyed as I am. And Rory, I've been fascinated by Rory's reaction this week. He's one of those characters that I've never really uh, got into, but he's interested me. I think he's harder to pinpoint. So, like Kate, we love her, but she's a little bit of a caricature, isn't she? So we you love go, to hate her, don't we, as well? But if you say, okay, she's some, 
and vegan hippie-ish wants dreadlocks when she wants to mother yes exactly yeah. when she wants a spiritual person when she wants to it's much harder to pin certain labels to rory he displays as being much more obviously damaged and then I think it's not by accident that even he's bisexual in that way. We live in a world we like to put neat and convenient labels on people. Indeed we do. And even with his sexuality, you can't. And remember there was that whole thing where Jenny just presumed that he was going to come with somebody to the hunt ball and said she, and then he turns up with a he, etc. That's a shame. We never heard any more of that, did we, Paul? I think they made such a big play of Paul as a voiced actor who was in quite a few episodes. He's got to be coming back. Maybe this is the week because Rory's back in in Ambridge. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Paul, as a friend, would all probably automatically go and Mm. get in touch with him to offer his condolences. uh, condolences. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Rennie did say something about her sisters and sharing it with her sister. I hope your sister listens to us, Renee. Get her to call in as well. Do you a know joint what? That's call. a good point. That's a good point. We need a joint call. We need we need reviews from both of you, Renee, from you and your sister. And, and your mum. Get your mum's phone. And we need a family dum de dum from all of them. Yeah, absolutely. So we, you've got a mission now, Renee. I did on that point also, if you're on Twitter, get her to your sister and your mum onto Twitter because do you know, before Christmas I started going on about do you know we've got almost 2,000 so many people on Twitter we've now got 2,588 we're heading for the 3,000 I think when you say Twitter you mean Facebook no Twitter you but you're wrong though we have more followers no, sir. On, no. on on Twitter. No, no, yeah, almost yeah. 10,000. No, it's almost 10,000. I've actually looked at the wrong side of I the know column. You have. <laughs> I told you I'm good at maths. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are following 2,500 people, but we mm. have 9,213 people following us. So we're on the home straight towards the 10,000. <laughs> <laughs> so, Renee, get everybody you know, take their phone and get them signed up to us on Twitter, Facebook, the lot. Hey. <laughs> Absolutely. And don't forget that group dum de dum Rene. So I believe Jonah Man Jazz is our last caller in a row. Hi, this is Jonah Man Jazz. Thought I'd call in with my views on the big event of the week. I couldn't particularly say I was a big fan of Jennifer or really can even remember being that interested in any of her storylines. Only one I can really remember was that when Kate disappeared, when she was like 14, 15 or whatever, and she ran off with the travellers. But yes, Jennifer's always been there, so her passing seems like a big Radio 4 communal event. And I thought there was some pretty good acting around her family. The only slight criticism I've got of the storyline is a bit all like neatly tied up. Oh, she's had this prognosis this diagnosis which no one knew about i assume there was no hints in the program about it that kind of post-dated thing like that really annoys me goes against the principle of show me don't tell me and also the journal that seems a bit contrived she had it's very proper closure and 
that absolutely will not be the way that most listeners will experience death in their families. And it's certainly not the way I've experienced death. It tends to be unexpected, not totally explained, and ends are not tied up neatly. But aside from that, I have enjoyed listening this week, and I think the acting has been good. So, all in all, well done. Just a couple of caveats. And I will speak to you soon. I'm inclined to agree with the general thrust of what old journeyman Jazz has said there. He made the point that, just like we said earlier on, that the journal was a little bit on the nose, wasn't it? It was clunky. It was clunky, really. I felt that it did give the family closure. I didn't like the way it was presented with one person reading a bit, another person reading a bit. The only thing I would take general upon, I think that in October, November... There was a reference to Jenny being breathless. Yeah. I remember people, clever people, picking up on it and saying, oh, does this mean Jenny's on the way out? Obviously it did. So whether it was planted there as a a thought, a forward-thinking thing in the plot because the actress was already ill. That's the trouble. Life gets in the way of docudramas. They had to get, very harshly about to say, get rid of Angela Piper, the actress. So they had to get rid of Jenny in some way. And it's not going to, she's not going to be the last year. This is an aging cast. We've got, Brian's quite old. And I'm worried about Brian. I think Brian might go before Peggy. He sounds so distraught. But we've also got Jill. Jill is an older person. So we're going to have some deaths in the in Ambridge in the months to come, years to come. Well, if you have a continuous drama which is over 70 years old, stands to reason, doesn't it? Stands yeah, it to does. Reason. And it happens. It, in, it is in real life as well. I know we, this was... We didn't have any forward planning on this one, but then that happens in real life as well. But I agree with Jonah in general as well with, yeah, it was very well acted, very well written with a few caveats, but that was for dramatic license, I would say. Now, shall we go on to email inners? Because I believe, Madame Berto, that we've dispensed, we've done, we've finished. Yeah, I think we have indeed. We can sign to the dustbin the caller inners. Oh, I hope it's to the uh, reel-to-reel tape, not to the dustbin, (laughs) Mr. Brown. (laughs) So the first message here says, Hi to all dum-de-dummers, Helen here. She's a first-time messenger in her. I've been listening to The Archers for years and years through my mum. I just love it and play it with my eight-year-old daughter. I had to message this week as it was such an emotional week. I thought all the actors were excellent in their playing of Jenny's passing. I loved how Kate was in her conversation with Jacob. It was so real and felt lovely, but sad. Poor Brian, when he was talking to David, I did feel for him. I hope Alice will be okay. She seems to be strong at the moment. I'm really hoping that Debbie and Peggy will make a brief return for the funeral. I think it would be fitting. Anyway, well done to the writers and actors. I will miss Jenny. What a wonderful character she was. It just shows you, again, the, the strength of the writing and, and the acting. Everyone's been touched. And, and we all feel like she was actually an ever-present in, in our lives. In fact, we haven't heard her voice probably since this time last year. Wow. If not in February, January, February or March, something like that. We actually haven't heard her voice on The Archers since the beginning of last year. So it just goes to show because she's ever-present. 
And because it's a radio drama, you can make reference to somebody, can't you? And yeah, yeah so anyway, uh, next email. Hi, Roy Field and Jacqueline and all Dumbly Dummers. I'm a first time WhatsApp or Finally managed to get the number by listening to <laughs> last week's Dum Dum at half speed until every number was right. It was actually very funny listening on half speed. Royfield sounded like it had too much of Joe Grundy's cider. <laughs> <laughs> Laughing face emoji. I certainly needed some laughter and silly stuff this week. After the sad events on the Archers, I kept seeing people posting, it's not real. And of course, Ambridge and its characters are fictional. However, the issues, the storylines and the emotions are definitely true to life. The sudden and very sad death of Jenny was a harsh reminder of the loss of my dad. He had kept his heart failure a secret from the whole family. Rory's pain at losing his mother, then his stepmother, I've been there too. Lee's feelings reminded me of how I felt when my ex-husband wanted to take my kids to Australia for a year. I felt sad to hear Royfield's story on this subject. I'm not looking for sympathy. I just want to make the point that we all have our own stories, which are mirrored in the Archers, and that is why we love and empathise with its characters and plot lines. Well done to the writers for bringing up issues which are not far-fetched and do happen every single day. Take care and have a good week. Love, Marie. Oh, absolutely. Says it all, doesn't she? Next message is from the Switch. I'm sure I'm not the only one who has found listening this week hard, especially those of us who joined the club that no one wants to join suddenly. I found the reactions of all the characters so true to life, so we'll be very interested to see how this storyline develops. For example, the family dynamics will change, but how? Will Brian suffer loneliness? But kudos to the writers and cast for this week's scripts and performances. This has been The Archer's Gold and a fitting send-off to Angela Piper. And this is a tweet that Jen from Ambridge Pony Club sent because she couldn't make speech pipe, speak pipe work for her, and which I think expresses my sentiments entirely. Losing Jenny is like the pain you feel when you finish a really good book and you know the author won't write another. It's worse, though, as unlike that, it affects the story that's still going. A story you've listened to for your whole life. That is so bloody beautifully put. Ah, that could reduce me to tears anyway, just thinking. I think it's so beautifully put, Jen. Mm. Which is exactly why, and I don't usually do this, and I don't normally pick off things from Twitter to put into the script, but the dum-de-dum. But that touched me enormously. And then when she messaged me and said she could make speak back work, I thought, I'm going to use that. So, shall we hear what our Facebook posse have been talking about on the Dumpty Dum Facebook with our fabulous Witherspoon? Well, Dumpty Dummers around the world, it's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here with this week's social media roundup. And what a week it's been. Perhaps the most compelling and talked about storyline since the Helen and Rob domestic abuse one. I have to say, Dumpty Dummers contributed so many insightful posts and responses. Well done to all. It started with, of course, the death of Jennifer. That brings us to the issue of spoilers. Please remember, especially with major plot developments, to not post any revelations in the body of your post, especially early in the week. I know it can be challenging, but do your best, and everyone else, please be forgiving of slip-ups. 
We begin with Sandra Jenkinson succinctly pointing out that many of us were expecting that. There were 66 responses to this, so I can only choose a couple to highlight. Fiona Crawford remarked that she was fine until she heard Alice's cry, and Jane Bentham replied, I wasn't. Jillian Massey added, I've just listened and am in tears. Won't be the same without her. Very sad. That summed up the feelings of many. Louise Lawton posted, It was so nice to hear Kate sound like a human being, rather than a cartoon character. Lillian McCarthy thought her voice was actually bearable to listen to. Ruth Pearl, Royfield Brown, Paul Newman, Jacqueline Berteau, and Martin Dean all complimented Kate in the scene between her and Jacob. Fiona Siobhan Powell implored, Please don't let me like Kate, the woman I delight in finding irritating. I derive so much pleasure from disliking her, the character, not the actor. That brings us to Rory. Prior to Alice and Chris's arrival at Julianne's swanky apartment, I asked for predictions regarding Rory's response to Jenny's death. There were many responses, but I'm going to share this rather long one by Catherine Newnham. Here goes. Alice finds out Rory is no longer at uni or is enrolled in name only. Julianne gives Rory a hard time about coming back from the funeral in time to accompany her to a function. Rory feels guilty at not having seen Jenny lately and snaps at Julianne. They split up. Rory doesn't want to come home with Alice, cuts off all the Aldridges, and silently heads off to backpack around the world. In his grief, Brian is gutted he hasn't got his son there, and this leads to further Future of the Farm discussions. Maybe Brian will even throw in the farming towel if his heart isn't in it, and he has no one to bequeath it to. The end. Okay, so far Catherine was completely wrong regarding Rory and Julianne, but I give her extra credit for thinking this one through. Now, many of us, including Pam DeLay, want to know where, oh, where is Debbie? Drew Hamilton thought she had moved to America to direct a sitcom starring semi-washed-up actor who played Joey. But many, including Jenny Ford, hope she returns to sort out the details of the funeral. Finally, Guy Williams and Lillian McCarthy posted media obituaries of Jennifer. Do read them, and I'll let that be the last word. Thank you, Mr. Spoon, and thank you to everybody who's been really thoughtful with their thoughts and feelings on Facebook this week. If ever there was a week for people to be reflective about life and loved ones, it was this week. So well done, everybody. But it was also the week when we had 17 lovely new members, Royfield. Good heavens. So let's wish a very warm Dumpty Dum welcome to... Stephen Way. Sandra Matthews Marsh. Andrew Faith. Ingrid Collins. Sarah Morton. Jackie Forno. Christina McNeilich. Marianne Cullen. Victoria Bourne. John Webster. Kathy Garner. Claire Watson. Jenny Wilson. The Green Fashion Art and Design Museum. Sarah Buckle. Kit Sky. And Alison Monday. What a lot. Welcome all. That's so brilliant. Now, Royfield, did we receive any reviews this week? We've had so many recently that, of course, the universe has a way of levelling these things out. So, of course, we yeah. had Neil Poir 
this well, week. they'll sort themselves out. All those new people on Facebook exactly. can go and find us. Find the podcast, listen to half a thing, then go on to Apple and uh, give us a good review or a bad review. We'll still read it out because we're that desperate. <laughs> <laughs> we can be found on Twitter under the name of at Dumpty Dum. We always include the Archers hashtag using a capital T and A so the visually impaired can enjoy any Archers-based tweets. Also, that hashtag is your opening for the tweet along both in the evenings and during the omnibus. Now, I can be found there and I'm at Jberto Sanguen, but Ryfield doesn't even go there. Nah, not really. Not so much. Now... Please try and include at Dumpty Dum in your tweets so more people get to see it, which helps keep our community growing. You're talking about Twitter, you know the drill. It's time for Tweet of the Week. Hello, Royfield, Jacqueline and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with a selection of Tweets of the Week. Twitter was mostly a place of sadness and reminiscences this week. With tweeters recalling their own experiences of loss and waving a sad goodbye to the character Jennifer Aldridge and the actress... Angela Piper. As Pickwick the Dodo at Leslie Hustler One nicely summarised it, I'm going to miss Jenny. I'm sorry she never got to live in Home Farm again. Hopefully there's an Albion kitchen waiting for her in heaven. Thank you, Angela Piper, for breathing life into some of the greatest storylines in the Archers over many years. Hear, hear. But some of the Twitterati were hard at work making us all laugh through the tears. So in tribute to their labour, here are this week's medals for Tweets of the Week, all of which turn out to feature that young cuckoo in the nest, Rory Donovan. In bronze, it's Patricia at Olympians. I noticed that no one here, and I mean no one, is asking whether Julianne had to go to the Barbican on her own or not. You're a heartless bunch. In silver, it's James A. at Exeter Dormouse, channeling Julianne. Just to reassure you, Rory, there'll be no docking of your allowance this month for the curtailment of the evening, the disruption to my night's sleep, and the breaking of the golden rule about visitors. But no more dead mothers, understood? And in gold, a two-hander on the spelling of the young man's name, part of a much longer string featuring much erudition, Irishness and general silliness. First, it's Eamon O'Tierney at E.O. Tierney. The traditional spelling has 25 letters, mainly a surfeit of G's and H's, with a dancing woman and shamrock emojis. But also for Brian Holding at Buggy Squires. I think I spelled it right once, but that was only because I tried so many variations that one had to be right by accident. That's it for this week. See you all on Twitter next week. Thank you, Purple Pumpkin our Theo. Now folks, don't forget we're also on Instagram. You can follow us quite simply by typing in at dum and you can be part of the Katie Show. Thanks as ever to all our contributors and to our social media supremos Shambridge for her voices and to our podcasting godmother Lucy B. Freeman. There you go folks. Uh, that's been your Dumpty Dum and as we've said goodbye to Jennifer Aldridge. Adieu. Archers has taken up 45 years of my life so it's just been a great big chunk of my life so I don't know what it would have been like without it without having an alter ego which has been Jennifer.
what do you think about the ups and downs of Jennifer's life over the years and the marriages, divorces and things like that? She's had an amazing life, actually. I mean, it's been amazing in as much as it's been lovely to play her because there have been these tremendous ups and downs and a roller coaster. And going from... She was quite a... She was the eldest grandchild of Dan and Doris and she was supposedly the brightest of them all. It doesn't say much for the others. But uh, and then she went away to college, which would now be sort of an ultra... Um, grand university probably and uh, trained to be a teacher and then she had this amazing out of wedlock child which 40 years ago was really quite astonishing when she had Adam I mean it's been lovely and 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 Jennifer has had some I have had some amazing stories Jennifer's had very interesting life I mean in and out of marriages different completely like peeling an onion you know back um, her life has been so different from you know, not much money, uh, living as a student, and then with Roger Travis Macy and the dramas and sort of affairs and uh, relationships, and then the marriage to Brian, where she has changed into this very comfortable, socially raised within the village. It's been fascinating to play her. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.